In today's episode, we have Simon Keeling from In Situ London, a collaborative architectural design group with a focus on youth culture, creating opportunities for themselves by asking questions and trying to find solutions. Simon talks to us about his inspirations, his thoughts on how the younger members of the design industry are treated and what may lie ahead for the future of the events industry. I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Welcome, Simon. Simon of In Situ London. Oh, you've got a bit of a drink there. What are you drinking? Uh, just red wine. Red wine. That's so nice. I've got um, a half empty bottle of water, so not as fun. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so Simon's joined us from In Situ, which is uh, an architecture company, but they mostly focus on um, events. Uh, so stage design, stage setup, and exhibition um do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and, and tell us a bit about your career and where you are at the moment yeah sure um so yeah i've been doing in situ with uh my co-founder seb um who's also my housemate uh for the last coming up to six years now um we've been we ba- we basically do sort of architecture for youth culture it's kind of what we say is like a sort of nutshell kind of idea um which is looking at um, architectural designs and solutions for um, for basically for London's youth cultures, the London hip hop scene, London grime scene, um, sports, education, um, and uh, sort of creating social spaces as well, and through mentorship programs and that sort of thing. So um, it's really kind of trying to find architectural solutions to problems faced by kids um, in London today and then also really we do like events um as well with events uh, uh, architecture was like the sort of main thing that we started out doing um so temporary installations for live music events that kind of uh work to create experiential kind of situations um and we do also do installations for uh festivals and things of that nature as well yeah because that's when i met you um maybe about four years ago now really been been quite a while since um Greenwich days and that's what you were doing so you were still quite focused on the um the event side of things so I'm glad to hear actually that it's taken on another level and you've embedded yourself in in the youth culture and and that side of things as well if it has a social purpose it's, it's even greater yeah absolutely I completely agree I mean I think that a large portion of our education in architecture talks about um, this idea that architecture can solve problems and help people's situations and you can basically benefit society through design and when me and Seb got out of university and we were working at um, our practices uh, I work at Procter & Matthews four days a week and basically just kind of found it Although it's, it, you know, it's good to go to, uh, to work in that, it was, it was just a bit sort of uh, monotonous and a bit depressing that we weren't actually being able to do these sort of more positive things. And the social yeah. aspect was that we had n- been nurtured throughout university was missing. And I'm not saying that Procter Matthews is, is an overly sort of corporate company. We, you know, we do really good projects, but it, there wasn't a huge amount of um, direct engagement with social community. That's definitely an, an, a thing that I've noticed as well in, in architecture um, companies. And I, I understand that, you know, there's a bottom line, there's a turnover that needs to be made and everything, but having a social responsibility as part of your architectural um, 
delivery as part of your kind of foundation of your business is it's something that's it's a hard balance to to find so the fact that you've then gone out and found that for yourself is 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 amazing yeah i think that that uh, that as well is that you know doing it for yourself is a really big part of the whole thing um both me and Zeb kind of believe quite passionately in actually having a sense of personal responsibility as a practice yeah and these it you can find money in these sort of social ideas uh, if you actually go out and look for it and engage your communities and mm-hmm. sort of identify problems and create your own briefs. Uh, like there, there's a lot of money that goes around for uh, like sort of council grants and things like that, you know, sills, that, that sort of thing. And the, the architects really need to kind of appreciate like they need to know that that is a possibility and it's not just like a no money situation at all Mm. but obviously you have to actually go out there and engage and properly find it for yourself because it doesn't really land on your desk like that yeah so is the aim eventually to take that to the the full time so i'm guessing eventually. oh yeah absolutely 100 percent so I've been working four days, four days a week since I finished my part two um, at Proctor Matthews, and then one day a week at In Situ on Mondays yeah. um, for the last two years now. So that's yeah, and it's I mean it's just it, it's just really exciting to be honest. Like knowing that every day that you put into it is like another day further away um, down the line of uh, being able to be actually do it as, as a full time career. And like the sort of success that comes along with that is a very rewarding situation. I mean, I feel like everybody should um, look towards what you're doing as a, as a setup for their structure, because um, as you said, you've proven that there is money there and and it's something that's worth investing time into as a, as a business model. So maybe you could, you could teach everybody else about it and, and, you know, talk about how to get the most out of social architecture. Well, yeah, I think it's really just kind of, you know, going out and doing it, I think, is the main thing. I mean, the other thing as well is just that it it's very low risk setting up a, an architecture company in your spare time as, as long as you have another job. So yeah. the thing that I think that we what me and Seb kind of set out to prove from the beginning, because we started in situ when we were like 22, 23, mm. is... Um, that you don't if you just work alongside your uh, your job and you do these sorts of things on the weekend then it's not really that difficult to to set up an architecture company that is very reasonable for people who are like who are actually out there trying to do it and it sounds like you enjoy it as well because there's a reward yeah it's really good fun fighting and it's fun and and some of the projects i mean um I, I don't know if uh, many people might be familiar with your work, but definitely check out in situ on, um, on Instagram if you get a chance. Um, well, it's just portfolio work for, for, for both me and Seb stuff, you know, and yeah. like, in situ is like a wider uh, sort of group of people than just me and Seb. There's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we've got a whole team of people, you know, uh, Sarah, who you went to university yeah. with, Jace, uh, Michael Kennedy, and it, it, we've really kind of, we basically just set out to do something which is fun for uh, all of us lot and actually be able to sort of express ourselves a little bit more as architects mm. because I feel like that is something that you have to really be lucky to get in practice the ability yeah. to express yourself and the other thing is that you're expressing yourself under someone else's name which mm. has always been something that really bothered me and 
well it's not like an issue because you work for someone obviously but for me that that was never fully satisfying I like I needed to be able to do that for myself and sort of you know have my own voice if you will I think um, our generation definitely has a lot more collectives and collaborative design studios rather than the traditional model of you know two partners that sit at the desk and oversee the 75 millions of CAD monkeys do you know what I mean like we're um our our younger generation and it could be like social media i don't know what the the reason is but we do tend to work in a much more collaborative way um which kind of leads me on to my next question so how do you design and where do you like to look for your knowledge and inspiration um so like one of the sort of key drivers for in situ is uh internet culture and like youth cultures on the internet and i and like internet um, and video games and that uh, screen digital art and all of the stuff that comes with a screen is really kind of one of the main areas that we get our inspiration from mm. I mean we, we've always really been interested in um, the idea that there's a digital realm and a physical realm yeah and whether or not you can blur the boundaries between the two of those and what inspiration can you take from the two of those and is there possibilities of overlaying these two kind of sides of yourself mm. um, to create sort of more immersive experiences? So uh, our club installations and our event installations use a lot of like uh, what technology, they're highly tra- technology driven. So a lot of projection, um, a lot of like lasers, um, smoke machines, basically, basically just, kind of your sort of average club machine fair but then we try and take that and turn it into a more architectural and sculptural uh avenue so really just trying to take that and turn it into sort of pieces of art that sit alongside artists in that and sort of expand the experience of the event you know yeah do you think there's anybody in the industry that's that's doing that is there anybody you look to um for even a bit of leadership or or they they've done it so i can do it and and maybe taking a bit of inspiration from them or is this is this or what you guys come up with yourself from observations that you have about society and internet culture and, and social culture well definitely like people like as devlin who are yeah. just really kind of be, sort of completely made this a lane basically mm. um and then uh hotel creative with all their work with nike you know nike's a big inspiration for us hotel creative are huge inspirations for us um uh people like i love dust on instagram um a lot of people who do animation and video stuff yeah um and then also like sort of people in hip-hop culture and um there was that guy that you had in your uh, i'll never forget when you did your first um project at the very beginning do you remember we all came with those collages and things and you had this yeah. hip-hop guy i can't remember his name but mf doom yeah mf doom yeah that guy the comic, <laughs> that was, book villain. the comic book villain that was pretty cool um so yeah, yeah. No, there's inspiration there hip-hop culture is like a huge inspiration for me and seb and like you know grime, uh, grime within like a london context that's like really important basically when we first started in situ we wanted to do uh we wanted to actually get involved in the london grime scene and hip-hop scene but we just like we were like we're not gonna rap yeah 
So what we want to do is do installation stuff and bring like architectural skills to the table and what can you actually do to sort of, you know, put our little stamp on, on it and sort of bring something to the table. Um, and that's really where it all came from. So like the initial, the first thing we did was like a sort of a hip hop night with like an installation over the top. And then, the, then we did, um, Somerset House's Photo London um, uh, after parties as their second yeah. project, which is like a pretty crazy second project. Um, we got really lucked out there basically just because um, Seb's cousin worked on the team that was putting it on. So they invited us to pitch and then they really liked what we were talking about. Yeah. Really liked the ideas. And then they basically gave us the whole party. And I think that a big part of that as well is that we were just cheap and like enthusiastic so and i think that that is something that should be like that really shouldn't be understated it's like you know when you're a young architect yeah you can do things that like a lot of people wouldn't be able to get away with like i was spray painting bits of wood down in somerset house mm. like on the side which is like the most listed building in the whole yeah. <laughs> of the country <laughs> and oh, the, like the Ming vases and all that kind of stuff and like oh, mate you don't even understand <laughs> like, I mean we were in the guts so we were downstairs in the guts but it was still like beautiful guts yeah. and like it, it... so I think one of the interesting things there which I immediately just feel is that um, when I think of architectural events when I think of architectural and interior design events I would naturally think of things like that I've mentioned to you is like you know design biennale uh, london design festival i would be thinking about clark and well and actually i wouldn't um the events that you're talking about and the inspiration that you're getting from grime culture and from um you know nike and these kind of things i wouldn't be able to get that kind of inspiration from the events that are currently being put on in the architectural no. sphere like traditional no. architectural events where you go to network and you go to see product launches and stuff they would never have that level of youth culture you wouldn't find what you're looking for for inspiration absolutely not, at any no. of those places and i think that's such an interesting point in a sense because how then does the architecture industry serve you and you're part of the industry <laughs> the architecture industry doesn't serve me and Seb, I would say is the I mean I might be the worst person to get for your first podcast no um, you're the that's that's an amazing um perspective because to me I mean this whole series is about perspectives it, it it's mm. about the different perspectives so um it's looking at different perspectives of people who are attending events in the industry and the fact mm -hmm. that there is this natural barrier to you because yeah. your way of thinking doesn't fit in with the traditional ways of thinking of the industry is something that people who are putting on events need to consider. I think that there's, um, I mean, th th don't get it twisted as well. Like me and Seb have talked at Clark and World Design Week and um, we've done a, a, a lecture at um, uh, some London lighting fair. I can't remember exactly, Lumion or something like that, um, like a big industry thing. Yeah, we have had a few people like sort of like push us and champion us. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say it's completely like outside of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. I also think that me and Seb have kind of actively, we don't really go to a lot of architecture architect events. Like I've got a very few ones that I consistently go to. Um, the, the one that I would say I do 
more so recently as well is um, my mate Eugenio who, uh, runs a collaborative called Panta Ray. Mm. Um, who do sort of drop in Zoom uh, lectures, and they've been doing that a lot over COVID. They've been really, they get really interesting people, and are, uh, like stuff that's very much on my street. Yeah. Um, but me and Seb don't really go to very many architectural industry events because it's not something that we find hugely uh, inspiring for our style of work and yeah. what we're doing. I think that there's a lot of talk with it. I mean, this might sound overly negative, by the way, so just <laughs> bear that in mind. But I think we've, there's a lot of talk in the industry of young architects and young practices, and they're like 35-year-olds. Mm. And to me, having run my own practice from the age of 22, Yeah like even if it was only like a sort of small practice I mean it was just us messing around in the living room but we were doing jobs and that to me is not a young practice do you know what I mean yeah yeah and there's I think that that sort of um the gap between what I think is interesting and what and what Seb think is it is, thinks is interesting and what the industry generally rolls out as like these sort of groundbreaking interesting pieces of architecture it, there's quite a real dichotomy because ultimately we're trying to be out doing things for the communities that we really that we you know want to support we we take inspiration from and so that involves a lot of time spent with you know kids ra young rappers um young kids making movies um sort of mentorship programs particularly all of this is by the way is before covid you know like yeah. so much it, that's less so these days but and then like internet communities as well and working with these kids to kind of create art pieces of architecture and sort of you know show them new ways of thinking about design and thinking about um installation and that sort of thing yeah. and um so in a way, means have consciously sort of tried to step away from that. And like, we've never really tried to attempt to get um, any sort of industry press or, which is actually why you'll be great Paris, because you could <laughs> help us with all of this stuff. Well, but, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're kind of doing the right thing anyway by yourself. I, I obviously had a reason for wanting to interview you and it's, it's almost because I knew that you didn't, you, you're not part of the standard um, industry practices and like you said you probably dip in when you want to and and when you feel like it's relevant to something you're doing so maybe you do do a speech every so often when you do attend Clerkenwell or whatever it is every so often but um, mm -hmm. your your natural line of progression through the industry takes you away from what would be considered those traditional style of events and um, yeah definitely so I, I think that's pretty amazing because um, there's a whole area of untapped potential in the architecture industry that perhaps people are not considering as something that should be elevated to a, a similar status as, as um, you know, the, the big design and all those kind of other events that are put on all the time, the award shows and blah, blah, blah. So, um, well, I think that that's, that's kind of the gap in the market, isn't yeah. it? Is it? There's, because uh, I mean, I I enjoy networking with people who are doing a similar thing to me. Mm. Um, that's really the people that I like. I, I I really get excited by. So you know, people like one to one collective, um, people like you know outside of the architecture sort of sphere, like Girls Inc. Fair, my boy Eugenio at Panta Ray. Yeah. All, 
what are these people are like the people that I get my inspiration from? And, you know, like, yeah. although we're talking about this outside of the industry stuff, you know, me and Seb have done stuff that are, is, is quite easily sort of accessible by people. You know, we've had work in the Tate Modern three times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've done a, a, quite a few festivals now. Um, and the, it, there's, it, we've had over like, you know, 35 projects, 40 projects coming up to now over yeah. the last six years. So we're, like, we're, we're basically just not attempting to sort of be recognized by people, I think is really, which is a problem. And I'm not saying that we're trying to like shun the industry at all. I'm merely trying to say that it's not a huge well, priority. It's never been a priority for us. You guys are the new generation of Mavericks. Like you're the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's a bit generous. <laughs> Mark, Mark D would have um, uh, our history and theories lecturer from university. For anybody who doesn't know who Marky G is, um, he he would have said that you guys are doing. Mark Garcia, yes, yeah. my man. <laughs> he would he would have compared you to probably. Oh God, my architectural knowledge is terrible but i'm sure that there's some crazy person uh from the he came to era. he came to the tape he came to the tape <laughs> modern to see yeah to see one of my projects um yeah. and he was he, he called us a bunch of punks which i i, I actually That's, really rated i think that is, is is exactly it you are you guys are the punks of architecture and there's there's probably I w- <laughs> that's a big statement but i appreciate it <laughs> there's a there's a there's a whole underground um kind of style that I'm 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 feel like people need to tap into and pay attention to and um the reason is is because um if if we don't pay attention to this you're more connected to uh what I would consider to be real life spaces and real life people and um, mm-hmm. because you're out there in the streets and you're working with people and yeah you are getting recognition from big names like Somerset House and Tate Modern and stuff but actually your architecture is not directed and not aimed at those kinds of people. Um, Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's really important to me. Yeah. That's the, the most important thing to me. Like, you know, I work with Box of Crime, which is really our sort of, that's been our main ongoing um, architectural work in, mm-hmm. a, in a sort of traditional architectural sense that, you yeah. know, we've done two, we, we, we work with this charity, Box of Crime, um, who get kids out of uh, street gangs through boxing. Mm. um and we we basically take old sh- sort of dilapidated underused uh shop units in on the high streets around sort of barking and dagenham hopefully soon to be wider london as well um and then convert those into into boxing gyms um yeah. so we've done uh a shop fit out in in barking we've done a um a new gym in ilford uh in in one of the coral bets which is it just opened actually um, and then we're also working on a, a gym in Dagnum, to, uh, which is going to be a, like a full conversion of a, uh, an old football changing room. So, and that's the sort of thing that really gets us excited uh, in terms of like architecture. It's like being able to kind of create these spaces, work with kids. Um, you know, we put uh, music studios in the in each one of the gyms, and basically trying to what we try and do is provide communities with the tools to be able to make their own decisions then on how they want to sort of work on their circumstance you know box up crime is run by Stephen adamson who's like he's one of the most inspiring guys that i've ever met but he's just like a force of nature used to be like he's like properly from the dagenham community used to be an ex-gang member 
um, and then sort of had a, like a, a proper come to moment, uh, come to the light moment with, with Jesus and sort of became a born again Christian. Yeah. And then his whole sort of mission statement at that point was basically just to get kids out of street gangs and have it being like sort of an ex member of that whole sort of thing and understanding the politics of that. He's become like a really important part of the community as like a community actor. Yeah. And I think that these people are the people that are really exciting to me and Seb. It's people who are actively able to work within their own community and make their own community, you know, provide for their own community, help their community stand up mm. from within. So it's a like actual managed and sustainable growth as opposed to sort of like being uh, coming at things with like a sort of outsider's perspective uh airdropping a piece of design into uh, that then just gets ignored and forgotten within a couple of years you know i think that that's really you know we've seen that happen time and time again and i think that actually the new generation of thinking is really sort of trying to work out ways of making these things more sustainable and more like sort of actively socially conscious as opposed to yeah. just sort of the window dressing do you know what i mean yeah no I, I completely agree um i think so what i kind of get from from what you're saying as well is that the current um structures within the event side of the industry and the networking side of the industry possibly doesn't cater to that well and it doesn't uh, at all and there, there's no no through no real thought of its own it's just that it's not it's the way it's evolved and and um so i think it creates a, a natural barrier a natural uh, so one of the questions I have is, do you think that there's an issue with knowledge and access and diversity in the events that we have in the industry? I think there's, that, that's a massive problem. I think yeah. that's, in terms of architectural events, I think that's the problem, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how many talks have you been to that's exactly the same over and over and over again? And Thank you, yeah. That I think that that's really the problem that should be being addressed is yeah. like trying to work out a way of diversifying this very undiverse industry. Yeah. Um, and bringing in new voices and bringing it, it like, you know, creating, working out ways of creating new avenues for people to get into architecture as an industry. You know, like mm -hmm. I think that the, the I, I'm, I also kind of feel like the education system is a, is, is very regressive towards expanded diversity you know like that not everyone has the sort of money and the time to put in over seven years to be able to get to the point where they can call themselves an architect you know like that's not a normal thing exactly and, and then what you were saying as well about the fact that when you were 22 you were in your living room creating these architectures like people wouldn't have necessarily considered that architecture in a traditional sense because you haven't finished your degree you're not an architect and but you are creating things and pieces and spaces that people are using therefore exactly you are an architect and there are probably other people um from you know not as wealthy backgrounds or does don't have an architecture de degree but perhaps they're out there in the world creating spaces for their local community and because they're not architectures in that traditional sense they're not looked at in the same way i completely agree i think that that's like the one of the most fundamental problems actually yeah. is this sort of idea of what do we perceive as architecture? Mm. And if it's not sort of clad in zinc, 
then it or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? The, yeah. Like the sort of trendy cube, or then it, it it's not perceived as architecture. You know, like yeah. this is a kind of we do a lot of work in um, in London South Bank uh, Engineering Academy, um, which is like a, a sort of comprehensive school, um, yeah. and we did two day lecture series where I took a class and we, I taught them about architecture, uh, yeah. and so we we sort of went through. Uh, the process of teaching what architecture actually is and what you know like the fact that it's actually a much bit broader thing than just this is a house and so the first one we we sort of learned how to draw we learned how to design it and like this is all in elephant and castle so this is very much inner city kids and like sort of really diverse range of people there were some kids who only spoke portuguese because they just come over from brazil so it's like a real sort of mixture but the great kids and everyone was really keen to learn. And I think that that was the thing that I was, that I found uh, most inspiring about the whole thing was that actually everyone really got into the whole idea. And by the end of the day, we all had gone through a model making workshop. We had, everyone had made like models there in houses. They'd all sort of like their dream house. They'd all done sketches and like it, it, everyone really got into this idea. And like the teacher at the end of it was like, wow, that was really you know, effective. They did a really yeah. good job. And it was kind of I, the angle I was trying to take it from was that actually architecture isn't just this sort of, um, you know, exactly what it's perceived on the outside. It's just designing houses. Mm. Architecture is kind of a way of problem solving. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of like sort of perceiving your agency within the world. Exactly. And all of you guys actually do have, even though you're like 12 year olds, 50, oh no, they weren't 12. Even though you're like 15 year olds, um, you, you have the ability to kind of perceive your own agency as long as somebody teaches you how to do it. So the second one we did was on civic spaces and kind of like identifying things that they like about civic spaces, like yeah. you know, public, uh, public places, like what is your favorite sort of public place? And a lot of them made like sort of, you know, little kind of corners of a park where it was a little bit more sheltered, that sort of thing. It's like, okay, then cool. What don't you like about public space? Yeah. Um, and like you know what makes you f and then we were sort of like trying to zoom in on what makes you feel good and bad in public spaces and they came up with really interesting and exciting answers this on is the, the day, thing right? so i think the more people that you get involved in these conversations um i know there's loads of architectural walks and tours and things on the weekends but they're probably mm -hmm. not accessible to the kids that you've taught in that absolutely 100 percent and um and so just presenting things in a different way and, and presenting uh, things to different people uh, uh, that you wouldn't necessarily traditionally think of um, can can really you know change the results of of the outcomes of what happens in the industry and I think that's absolutely really important. Well, because I mean, for me, I, I I kind of always took that for granted because I'm yeah. you know I'm from a thoroughly middle class background, you know, mm -hmm. like that. That's exactly what the, the way that I grew up was always just that you've got loads of Lego. Your parents tell you what you do, that you can do anything you want to do. Yeah. Oh, okay, and cool. What is the closest thing to Lego? It's being as a job. It's like being an architect, mm. right? So from age fourteen, like I've been pretty much known that I want to be an architect. So I've always wanted. I've done basically what I've always wanted to do, yeah. which is convenient, to say the least. Completely, hundred percent. I'm on the same page with you. I mean. I'm not from a middle-class background, but I definitely knew exactly what I wanted to do from probably about the age of nine. And I was lucky enough that I was uh, perceived as intelligent enough to do it. 
Um, mm-hmm. so other people in my class might not have been perceived as I'm not saying that they're not capable but they weren't no absolutely 100% as, as capable of doing it so I was pushed I was put on gifted and talented programs I was sent to universities when I was 15 and 14 and 13 even going to like you know courses for the day and blah 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 so I was definitely pushed mm-hmm. to do university and I was pushed to do exactly what I wanted but there were absolutely 179 other students in my year and probably a lot of them weren't pushed in the same way that I was. A hundred percent. And I mean, partially through no fault of their own or, through no, the, no, you know, the, the, and no fault of the teachers either, but it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a very difficult situation. And I think, it, I, I think ultimately the, um, it trying to open that up and as, uh, and trying to open up any avenues for people to be able to sort of get into that and get excited about architecture comfort, for me, it's like really the best job. Like I love it. Yeah. Um, so I think that me, is um, that's important. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I agree. I, I think for me, it's a similar thing, and and that's one of the reasons that I've made Arcati is so that people can have this access um, to to more people to and make the industry more accessible. That's essentially what this platform is trying to do. It's trying to bring events and different types of events um so one of the things that i love is we're an independent uh, brand we're not affiliated with any of the major players in architecture and mm-hmm. it means that we can really champion uh the the projects and the people and and uh, events that we think are making a difference in the industry um yeah. so, so for us that's a it's a big plus and we get to you know really just go out there and, and show the different sides of the industry and you've even given me a, a different way of thinking even just from this conversation in the types of events that I might even include in the future on on the platform because why does architectural events have to be restricted to architecture you know why does yeah, absolutely. maybe you know it's it's not maybe it's placemaking in Southwark or something I don't know who knows what it might be but I think these are things are, are all worth considering. I think that yeah. that's the main thing. Like, it, I think that the the main problem for me is that there's not people considering them. I'm not saying that, that this should be what the industry does. Mm. I just don't, I don't see a mass, like there's not a huge amount of interesting, like there's no one who's talking to like the people from Nike about their design. Yeah. In, like in the architecture sphere that I can see. There's very few people like you know you have to be really lucky to get as Devlin out but like you know they they, I'm sure that there's more people who do a a similar thing to her and those Mm -hmm. are kind of the people that I'd I'd be excited to hear from I think that that that, that's really the problem for me I think at the moment in terms of the event side of things so yeah that that's pretty much my last question which is in the future what would you like to see in terms of events and I think you just hit the nail on the head is just a bit more of a diverse voice um in a diverse voice and also um, doing more than just putting things on a PowerPoint screen as well. <laughs> well, it's interesting at the moment because everything is being delivered over Zoom. Um, well, I- yeah, I think Zoom's fine. Zoom makes sense. After COVID, <laughs> we need to move away from the PowerPoint screen. There's we tons do. and tons of interesting things you can do with space. Yeah. There's, and the amount of architecture events, which is just a bunch of people sitting there and looking at pictures of places instead of experiencing them it's just it, it it's always been quite funny to me 
Mm. I mean, that's one of the reasons why my favorite architecture festival out of all of them is probably, um, well, it's not even, I don't know, it's art and art and architecture festival, but is the design biennale. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the most interesting ones because you have a lot more um, experience based architectures. Um, no, I've never, I've never been, but I would love to go. That's like one of the oh, few sort of ones that I really, really would be excited to do. Um, so yeah, the the Somerset House, I think, do it every two years, and then um, I haven't been to the Venice one, but I would love to go. Um, yeah, that's the one I meant. I would <laughs> very much like to go to Venice. Yeah. So I uh, the I think they were called Studio Ini I N I. Um, they did the Greek pavilion for um uh not last year's london design biennale i think it was a couple of years ago and they had this gorgeous white um marble or ceramic uh movable bridge that was in the middle of uh, somerset house and you could just walk through it and for me that's like an amazing event experience because it's a piece of art oh yeah i just i just pulled it up I, I, yeah i saw this on instagram before it yeah, looked sick that was amazing and um, it, it was inspiring, it was moving in the sense of it, it got you to think about you, yourself in a more uh, spatial kind of way because you had to, to move yourself through it, um, almost like a little dance even. And I just thought yeah. it was a really, really beautiful piece of um, mechanical construction as well. So there were so many layers to it. And to yeah, me, that 100%. is a beautiful idea of architecture if I'm going to go somewhere I really that that really sticks in my mind as something that has definitely inspired me um mm -hmm. and I don't feel that when you know I'm looking at a furniture brand and they've just got the chair up on the screen or something you know the new one that's coming out next week or yeah. whatever um so yeah delivery I think delivering it in a more interesting uh medium is is a good also a good point for future yeah, just thinking outside of the box, I think, is is really yeah. what I would try and, you know, I think, it, I, basically, I just think that it's it's quite stale to do a basic presentation these days mm -hmm. when there's so much possibility for more interactive and sort of exciting stuff. And I, I, I'm not saying that there's no place for the traditional talk, yeah. but I think that we've done a lot of the traditional talk, so maybe let's try and start thinking outside the box. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, thank you, Simon. You've given me quite a lot of your time this evening. And uh, it's no worries, been an man. amazing conversation. I I've loved it. I hope it's interesting. No, it's definitely interesting. It's given me a, a, a whole new perspective on what architectural events could be. And I, I hope to whoever's listening, it also gives you a, an idea of what architectural events could be in the future and what kind of events that you want to attend. Um, so do you want to just give us your Instagram um, and any social media handles or any websites or anything that you want people to know about? Yeah, so it's at in situ London, um, at Simone Kilo, and then our website is www.insitulondon.com. Um, and th that's about it, really. Yeah, cheers, man. Thank you so much. It's been no worries. Amazing. Thank you very much. That was, uh, yeah, no, I hope it was good content. Thanks again if you've made it through to the end of today's episode. We learned a lot from Simon and look forward to seeing how this changes our perspectives in the future. We're taking a short break on the Arkity podcast, but we'll be back in the spring with some more exciting guests. In the meantime, please keep up with our events and don't forget to tag us with the hashtag 
Okati told me in order to be featured on our page. Thanks. Bye.